Good morning. Happy ninth day of Christmas. Didn't want to say the same thing as everybody else. <laughs> what is that? Ladies dancing? Maids milking? I'm not sure. Just in case anyone is wondering, I promise that if I ever do another Sounding Joy series, I will not do the 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> That'll never happen. <laughs> so, somehow it's 2022. Um, back at the beginning of 2020, I remember doing a New Year reflection. And I, I talked about how in 2020, that year was very significant for me personally because it showed me how fast 20 years can go by. Uh, because I am old enough to remember when the year 2000 felt like the far and distant future. And so when 2020 happened, it felt kind of surreal, where it felt like, oh, wow, what was once the far and distant future, or what was, yeah, once the far and distant future is now the far and distant past. And I suspect that anybody who was at least of driving age on that night when the world went from 1999 to 2000 can understand what I'm talking about. Um, the year 2000 was like, wow, we've been waiting for it. The future has arrived. And now we're just 20 years beyond that. And now here we are in 2022. And the year 2020 is now two years behind us. Somehow that happened. And uh, I am realizing that especially for people in my generation, um, 2020 is going to become the far and distant past quicker than 2000 did. Uh, so time flies, right? And uh, I know the way that I'm talking is a little bit cliche. I hope none of you are cringing. <laughs> but on New Year's, one of the most frequent things you hear people say is, wow, time moves so quickly, right? Uh, C.S. Lewis, he had an interesting thought about this. He, he said that the fact that we always think that time passes so quickly is a sign that we are made for eternity and that we are made in the image of an eternal God. He once wrote, Notice how we are perpetually surprised at time. How time flies. Fancy John being all grown up and married. I can hardly believe it. In heaven's name, why? unless, indeed, there is something in us which is not temporal. So that's an interesting idea to consider. But whatever the case, I do think it's worth recognizing how fast time passes, however cliche that might be, because remembering that helps us to live well. Remembering that reminds us of our mortality and our frailty and our need to be ready or whenever we do leave this earth. Uh, it reminds us to live purposefully. When we recognize how finite our lives are, it inspires us to make the most of the time that we've been given. As Benjamin Franklin once said, do not squander time, for that is the stuff life is made of. So every new year, I think it's a very healthy practice to take a step back, and take stock of the lives that we're living and to ask ourselves how we might want to change, what we might want to do differently. It's a good time to reflect on where we've been and where we're headed. And as you think about 2022, I'd like to give you a little illustration to think about how the Spirit of God wants to work in your life. And 
the place this illustration comes from is actually the very beginning of the Bible. And when I say the beginning, I really mean the very beginning, the first two verses. These are two of my favorite verses. Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void. That should say void, not voice. Uh, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, that first verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, I think that says something that the majority of people in our culture believe, whether they are churchgoers or not. Most people, if you just ask them, you know, where do you think the, the world came from? They would say, I think there's a creator. I think there's a God who at least set it all in motion or, you know, that it's the product of a divine intention. But the second verse says something that less people would probably express. It's, it's, it's interesting. Now, the earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What that tells us is something about how God created. It says that in the very beginning stages of creation, the world was a chaotic, watery mess. Um, what you should think of here is you know, a, a, an ocean, a huge body of water, viciously churning uh, during a storm at night. It's an image of complete and total chaos. But then we're told that the Spirit of God hovered over that chaos. And the word for hover there is interesting. In the Hebrew, it's the same word that would be used to describe a mother bird sitting on her eggs. So what that's telling us is that at the beginning... In this chaos, the Spirit of God brooded over creation and nurtured it toward life and order. He took what was formless and void and made it into something beautiful and something orderly. And so, as you think about 2022 and the way that God wants to work in your life, Think of that image, and imagine God wants to hover over your life, the Spirit of God wants to hover over it, and bring order and life and beauty to your chaos and disorder. And I love that image of the mother bird, because I think it says something about how God's Spirit works in our lives. He tends to work gently, patiently, and gracefully. In every moment, the Holy Spirit is at work, luring you, guiding you towards greater life, order, and goodness. Now, you have some ability to resist the Spirit's lure. I believe that. Um, I, I think that's why the Apostle Paul said, do not quench the Spirit. Right? He recognized that we have this capacity to resist the Spirit's pull towards that order, goodness, and beauty. So we have that ability to resist, but in any given moment, we also have this capacity to surrender to what the Spirit is inviting us into and allow Him to hover over our lives and bring greater order, beauty, maturity to us. Okay? 
So that leads to the question, well, as we begin 2022, how can we better place ourselves under the Spirit's hovering so he can nurture us into more life? Well, there are ways of answering that question that you have probably heard a million times before if you've been in church. Things like pray, read the Bible, go to church, find a way to serve in church. Basically, all of the things that we talked about in detail last spring, if you were here, you might remember, did a series called Dry Bones Rising, which was all about how those things help to nurture us to spiritual maturity and how valuable they are. But I don't just want to repeat the same exhortations that everybody says over and over again. So what I want to do this morning is give you guys three questions to reflect on as you begin 2022. And I think that if you ask yourself these questions honestly and you act upon the answers that you give, that that is a way that the Holy Spirit can nurture you to greater life in a way that you will place yourself under his hovering. Okay? So, and I just want to be clear from the outset, uh, this sermon is going to be of very little value unless you own it. Uh, because the questions that I'm going to ask, I can't answer for you. Okay, you have to wrestle with these questions yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you uh, how you're supposed to answer them for your life. Okay? I, can't, I can't do that for you. I can only pose the questions. All right, so to help us ask the right questions, we're going to look at some scripture passages. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew 6, starting in verse 31. Matthew 6, starting in verse 31. Jesus says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, question number one for 2022, what's something I need to stop worrying about? What is something I need to stop worrying about? Jesus says that much of what we tend to worry about is not worthwhile. You know, he's not saying that we shouldn't be concerned about anything. But he's saying that much of what we tend to give our concern to is not worthy of it. And uh, he describes some of the things that are not worthy of our worry. And then he says in verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So what does that mean, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? What Jesus is talking about there, when he talks about the kingdom, is the kingdom of God. The Jews had this expectation that one day the world would become the kingdom of God. Meaning one day there would no longer be a disharmony between the way that things are and the way that things ought to be. One day the world would be a perfect expression of the will of God. And when that day came, that would be the arrival of the kingdom of God. So when Jesus says, seek first his kingdom, he's saying something like, 
Seek first to do the will of God. Right? Seek first to make your life and this world more in harmony with God's will. And another way that he expresses that is seek first his righteousness or seek first God's righteousness. In other words, seek first making things as they ought to be. Right? Another way of thinking about that word righteousness is to, to think of the word justice. Seek first justice, God's justice, to make the world and your life more as it ought to be, more in line with the will of God. So how do you know if something is worthy of your worry? How do you know if it's worthy of taking up space rent-free in your head? Well, some questions that might help are, does thinking about this help to advance the kingdom of God? Does it help to bring justice? Does it help to bring my life more in line with the will of God? Or to help bring the world more in line with the will of God? Does it help to make earth a little bit more like heaven? If the answer to those questions is no, Jesus is saying, don't waste your mental energy on that. So, what is a worry that you need to let go of? Jesus is giving you permission to stop worrying about a lot of things here. What is it? Again, can't answer this for you. I can't. But ask yourself first, what are my persistent worries? I'm confident that you'll have no trouble identifying what those are. In fact, as soon as I ask that question, you, you're probably thinking of them already, and you might have trouble even thinking about the next thing that I'm going to say, because your brain is going to those worries, right? Try not to let it go there. Ask yourself, what are my persistent worries? Identify them and then interrogate them. And ask yourself, does thinking about this help me to seek the kingdom of God and righteousness? And then a second question you should ask is, can this worry be transformed into a worthwhile action? Because, you know, if it can be transformed into a worthwhile action, that might be a really good thing for you to do whatever it is. But if it can't be transformed into a worthwhile action, nothing is going to be gained by you continuing to ruminate on it. And Jesus doesn't want you to keep ruminating on it. Jesus only wants our worry to be focused or our concern to be focused on those things that we have something that we can do about. Right? That's why he says, a little bit before the passage we read in verse 27, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? In other words, why would you worry about something that you have no control over? Now, I want to add a little bit of a clarification here, because I, I can imagine how this verse could be twisted, especially in light of some of our current circumstances. Uh, Jesus is not saying here that we shouldn't have any concern for our physical health. He's not saying that it would be a, a sin to wear a mask or to get a vaccine because, hey, God has a plan for when you're going to die and you can't change that. If that was Jesus' attitude, I think he would have responded to the devil differently when the devil tempted him in the desert. You might remember that one of the temptations was uh, 
Why don't you, if you are the son of God, jump off the temple, the highest point on the temple, and let the angels catch you? And uh, Jesus doesn't say, hey, yeah, I can't add or take away an hour from my life, so cannonball. Uh, No, Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, don't be irresponsible. Jesus does want us to be a good steward of our life, to make responsible choices. But he doesn't want us to ruminate on things that we have no control over. And he he doesn't want us to live paralyzed by, by fear. So, identify those worries, interrogate them with those questions. And if the answer to both those questions is no, let him go. You have Jesus' permission, Jesus' command to let them go. And I know that that is easier said than done. Believe me, I understand, as someone who has had my own struggles with anxiety and continues to have struggles with anxiety. But if that is the boat that you're in, where you have that that struggle, I encourage you to keep going back to Matthew 6 and to hear Jesus, the Lord of your life, telling you, let it go. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. You have permission. All right, next question for reflection. And this comes out of the same scripture passage. What's one new way that I can seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness this year? What is one new way that I can seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness this year? One of the ways that we keep our relationship with the Lord strong is by being willing to step out and just do something different from what we've done before. And I understand life is busy, life is challenging. And so I'm just saying just one new thing. That's the challenge. Maybe there's something that you've never studied before in scripture that you've wondered about, and this is a good year to dive into that, to learn more. Uh, Maybe God has put some sort of cause on your heart, and he wants you to take the passion for that cause this year and convert it into some kind of action. Maybe he wants you to volunteer somewhere. Maybe there's somebody on the periphery of your life who needs or could use your support, and God is calling you to, to be there for that person this year. And that's the one new way that he wants you to seek the kingdom of God. Again, I don't know, but I challenge you to just come up with one new way to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness this year. All right, one more question, and this one might make us a little more uncomfortable than the last two. Uh, This is inspired by another part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. If you've got your Bible open, just move backwards to chapter 5. Jesus says, If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Wow. 
So, is Jesus saying here that we should be literally cutting off body parts if they inspire us to sin? I'm going to say no, because if you follow that logic far enough, you know, cutting off hands and gouging out eyes isn't going to be enough to deal with the problem of our sin. Eventually, we're going to need a whole lobotomy, a brain removal, right? And that would be suicide. So I don't think Jesus is literally saying that we're supposed to cut off body parts, but he is saying something about the attitude that he wants us to have towards sin in our lives. And that attitude is one of vigilance, right? Not complacency, not, ah, that's no big deal, but vigilance. And if we understand this passage in light of the, the context, what Jesus has been talking about is that we are not just supposed to be vigilant about, oh, I shouldn't do these certain big sins, like adultery or murder. He's saying you need to be vigilant about the attitudes in your heart that can lead to those big, big sins. The attitudes themselves are a problem. So murder is not just a problem, but the anger in your heart that leads you to hate and could potentially lead to murder, that in itself needs to be addressed. Okay, adultery isn't the only thing that you need to avoid, but the lust that can potentially lead to adultery, that needs to be addressed. Greed needs to be addressed. Pride needs to be addressed. There's supposed to be a vigilance that we have towards addressing these sins in ourselves. Now, I want to be clear. Jesus didn't say that we need to be vigilant about gouging out other people's eyes or cutting off other people's hands, right? We're supposed to be vigilant about the attitude of our own hearts. I think a lot of the time, we're happy to be vigilant about other people's sins. But Jesus said, no, you need to focus on your own heart. <clears throat> now, something I appreciate about the metaphor that Jesus uses here for dealing with sin in our own lives is that he acknowledges how painful it can be, right? Because cutting off your hand hurts. Gouging out your eye hurts. And it can be painful to deal with the attitudes in your heart that are sinful, to deal with the anger, deal with the lust, deal with the greed, deal with the pride, right? If you're trying to root that out of your life, it can feel like cutting off your hand. It can be really painful. But what Jesus is saying here is that it is better to experience that pain because the alternative is worse, right? Sometimes we think, oh, I can indulge a little anger. I can indulge a little lust, a little greed, a little pride. I just can't cross this line, right? But Jesus is saying, no, 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 don't think that way. You have to deal with the seed stage of it. You have to be vigilant about rooting that out. Because what happens if you don't? It's like playing with fire. And eventually that fire spreads. And eventually it goes out of control. right? And then your friendships are harmed. Your marriages are harmed. Your kids are harmed. Your community is harmed. Your soul is harmed. So don't play with that fire. 
So here's the question for reflection. What do I need to cut out in 2022? What do I need to cut out? Is there some fire that I'm playing with and I need to stop? Have I been playing with this fire and it's desensitizing my conscience? And that could lead to a full outbreak, a conflagration. <laughs> Have I become desensitized to some sin that is hindering the kingdom of God from shining through in my life? You know, maybe this is the year that you need to cut out cable news. Maybe <laughs> cable news is having an effect on you where it is just making you constantly angry and self-righteous and judgmental. And this is the year where you just need to cut it out. Maybe this is the year that you need to seek help for an addiction to pornography. Maybe this is the year that... You need to get help for drug or alcohol addiction. Maybe you have been nursing grudges for a long time, and this is the year where you need to see the counselor so you can sort through, how do I let go of this unforgiveness that I'm holding on to, this bitterness in my heart? You know, maybe you need to cut out a social media account or two this year because they are consistently distracting you from the kinds of ways that God wants you to spend your time. Whatever is hindering the manifestation of the kingdom of God in your life and in the world, Jesus is saying, cut it out. Cut it off. And you don't want to think, oh, I need to do this because if I don't, God won't love me. Don't think of it that way. Think of it as, I need to cut this out, because if I do, the kingdom of God will shine through in my life, and I will avoid the fire that burns everything worthwhile in my life if I play with this fire and it gets out of control. Right? Now, none of us can do this in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit's help. Ultimately, we need Him to bring order to the chaos in our lives, right? But there are things that we can do, as I put it earlier, to place ourselves under the Spirit's hovering. And one of the ways that we can do that is by being in community with each other. This is what the church is supposed to do, right? We should be people who are seeking to live under the hovering of the Spirit together. And God has set things up such that we need each other. You know, whether we like it or not, that's just the way it is. God is love, so he values relationships. So he set the world up and the church up so that we need each other. And when we have healthy, meaningful relationships in our lives where we can be honest about the things that we need to cut out of our lives, that is a way that we place ourselves under the Spirit's hovering and the way, a way that he nurtures us to greater life. You know, you, you might need help cutting out certain patterns of sin in your life. It's hard to cut out, cut off your own hand. <laughs> it's hard to gouge out your own eye. You may need the help of a counselor. You may need to go to a recovery program. Uh, you may need a support group. 
You may need just one or two really trusted friends that you can be honest with. Whatever you are dealing with, however difficult it is, here's what you need to remember. The Holy Spirit is more powerful than that disorder in your life. Think about it. The Holy Spirit ordered all of creation into what we see. I think he can handle the order, disorder in your life, the chaos in your life. Think of that formless and void primal creation like a stormy sea. Formless and void. But then it becomes the beauty that we see when we look out the window. God can do that in your life, in your heart. Turn the chaos into order and maturity and beauty. But one of the ways that he does that is often through other people. And so if you want to place yourself under his hovering, be willing to ask for help if that is needed. All right. So once again, three questions. What's something I need to stop worrying about? What's one new way that I can seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness this year? And what do I need to cut out? And the sermon is not over, but I am done talking. So I encourage you, take a little time now to reflect on these things. And it's not going to be a lot of time. Steve and the rest of the band are going to come up, play a reflection song. But I encourage you later this week, get alone, think more about these questions, and invite the Spirit to work, hover over you, and bring order to the disorder in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a new year and the um, possibilities that that creates. Lord, I pray that each one of us would sense your spirit uh, luring us, drawing us uh, towards you and towards greater uh, order, beauty, maturity in our lives. And uh, Lord, uh, I pray that as each one of us wrestles with these questions, uh, that you would work and... um, that the ways that we answer these questions would be transformative and life-giving and would be a blessing uh, to ourselves and to the world around us. We trust, Lord, that you want to work in our lives, and we invite you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.